Everyday Conversations, a podcast by the Gospel Coalition Australia. Following Jesus is a whole of life pursuit. As friends talk and share and learn and ask, we pray that you would be encouraged to think deeply. first and then Mark and then I'll say something about myself. Yeah, thanks, Nick. So I am a practitioner, a a lawyer in Melbourne in private practice. I've been in practice about 10 years and I work solely in the field of not-for-profit law and governance. So that means I advise a lot of not-for-profit organisations on taxation concessions, structuring, governance, all those sorts of things, um, private practice basis, and also involved in various law reform through professional committees that I'm involved with. Very good. Um, I think I've I've had a, Mark Sned, I've had a range of um, different uh, roles in the law, starting off with... um, a private practice uh, at a large law firm, then working in law reform for the parliament, Victoria, um, master's degree, work as an associate to a high court judge, and then an academic for 11 years, teaching constitutional law and commercial law at Monash and Melbourne Law Schools, then a partner in a major national law firm for about 11 or 12 years, and then crown counsel to the attorney general for the state of Victoria, the Premier's office for about four and a half years and now back in uh, partly in private practice on my own account, partly working with another firm and partly running a think tank. So a whole range of different um, experiences in law, but mainly around commercial uh, consumer contract law and public law, that's constitutional administrative law and also legal policy. It's it's terrific. Uh, When Brianna approached me to see whether I could think of two other lawyers that might have a conversation like this. Do you believe it? You two are my first choices and I'm so glad you both said yes. I've admired you both um, for a long time and it's really great to have this conversation. Um, I'm Nicola Serrani. I'm a professor of constitutional law at the University of Queensland. And um, unlike Mark's experience, I've just been at the university since 1995. Uh, So I started, I I worked in a law firm though, Minder Ellison, um, for some years when I first graduated and continued to consult in the legal industry, but my passion was always academia and academic research uh, as a Christian. And um, I enjoy teaching, but I also love discovering and I love writing and asking questions about the law and justice and things like that. And uh, so that's why I thought it'd be great for us to get together and talk about some of these things. And One of the ways we thought that we could frame the question generally is to ask this question. um, What does it mean as a committed Christian to be a lawyer in terms of everyday legal practice, in terms of working in government and policy, in terms of also academic and legal scholarship? In what ways does being a committed Christian make a difference and, and how does it motivate us and how does it shape what we do and 
what impact does it have on our priorities and the sorts of questions we ask and the things that we want to achieve by serving other people in these ways. Thoughts on that, either of you? Oh, so much. Nick, where do we even start? Mark, do you want to jump in first? Oh, no, I think you should go first, Elizabeth. <laughs> I'm still thinking. <laughs> there's a lot. There's, there's so much. Um, I think um, I feel incredibly privileged for the career that I have been blessed with. And I think um, there's a real sense of responsibility with that. And I think there's... Um, probably as a lawyer, so many competing priorities for your time, just staying on top of changes to the law, doing work that you get paid for so it's financially sustainable, training younger lawyers, you know, contributing to law reform. Um, you know, there's obviously pro bono and a whole range of different things. And I think um, in the midst of all of these competing pressures, the, the starting question for me is always, well, God, what are you calling me to? Um, and I think um, that helps to start to narrow some of the focus. And I think um, there's a lot of talk that you hear about, you know, work and evangelism and all those sorts of things. But for me, I had a bit of a light bulb moment when I was um, early in my career and I went to a, a conference and heard people talk about um, work existing before the fall and, um, God actually having ministry through work. And so I think at the most basic level, it's that command to love God and love others and how that shapes your, your practice in terms of doing your absolute best for the people that employ you, your absolute best for your clients. Um, you know, the people that are around you with your, your junior lawyers and <laughs> some of your other staff. And I think, you know, that idea that love God and love others and Corinthians says love is patient. Well, that's a real challenge as a lawyer because you're under time pressure all the time. <laughs> so I think that's probably the starting point for me is those, those relationships and doing the absolute best that you can for your client, for, for your boss. And um, particularly when you're under time pressure with, you know, things not working sometimes the way they should and um, being patient to those people around you that you're working with, that's probably the starting point. And then there's a lot in the in the public policy sphere as well, but I think there's layers, you know, to that question about how it shapes your priorities. And as a practitioner, I think that's the bulk of your day is those basic things in practice, and that's probably the starting thought or framework for it. Um, uh, what do you guys think? Over to you, Mark. Um, thanks, Nick. Uh, so I think, it, what does it mean to be a Christian practicing law. Well, I think you're just you're trying to be a Christian while you're practicing law. Um, so <laughs> this is the particular job you have, um, and it can have multiple different manifestations, as as my career has had. And in each one of them, you've got to try and work out what does it mean to be. Uh, how do I live as a Christian in this context? And that's not a different, um, not a different question than the one that confronts a Christian homemaker or a Christian nurse or engineer or um, retail shop worker, um, although the context is different, so the answers will be different. Mm. Um, but you know, at, at a high level, I think the thing about law is that you are you're in the justice system, so you're seeking to do justice or seeking to do your part in a system which is seeking to do justice according to law, uh, seasoned with mercy. Uh, but you also realise that that's human justice. It's not 
going to be perfect justice and it's not going to be perfect mercy. Um, God alone dispenses those and sometimes that's achieved to some measure through the human justice system and sometimes it's not, but you do your best within that system um, and realise that the system will not achieve perfect outcomes. But at, then you sort of come down from that to the, as Elizabeth was saying, to the micro level of the day to day. And I think you, you work at being professionally excellent. Uh, you work at being diligent in attending to your clients' affairs and what your colleagues and your superiors might expect of you. Um, you work at being kind. And I think having a servant heart for your client, mm. and for your colleagues and for your staff, if you're in a position of authority uh, in, in, a, in a place of work. Uh, and that's very important because one of the besetting sins of lawyers, I think, is pride. So having a servant heart and a humble attitude towards others and a kind heart is really important uh, and something you need to keep working at because the culture might work against you on that. And then coming slightly back up to the macro, being aware that as you work in this context, unlike, um, say, the, the shop worker or the nurse, you, you might be thinking about broader, a broader justice context, whereas they might be thinking about a broader economic context or a broader healthcare context. Mm -hmm. Lawyers should be thinking about a broader justice context mm -hmm. and working as far as possible or, or trying as far as possible to see that their work and the choices they make in their, that work are making the world a more just place in you know given that we only have little spheres of influence within the sphere of influence we have trying while being professionally excellent kind competent and following instructions to try to make the the world and the sphere where we can influence more just that's uh so interesting things that come out of what both of you just said then and i'm thinking of the way in which mark just said you how you said that uh on one hand we can't expect the law to be perfect um, and we know that it's only human justice that we're talking about but at the same time we are concerned to see justice occur as much as it can and that's something i've been thinking about a lot lately i, I had to give a lecture recently in sydney on the subject of law education and religion and what contributions do they make to our society and to making a good society and what i thought was that it's good to recognise what law can do, but also what law cannot do. Um, and, and sometimes I think we can fall into the trap of expecting law to achieve far more than it's capable of. But then on the other hand, we might fall into the trap of thinking that law is irrelevant and has no impact at all. Yes. And so it's pretty important to have uh, it, it in balance. And it, it does seem to me that this is the Christian diagnosis of human nature suggests that we need law in order to um, curb the sort of characteristics that we have that are going to make us do bad things to each other. But at the same time, the Christian diagnosis tells us that we can't expect law to make us intrinsically well-motivated and good people. And it's sort of understanding that balance, I think, is one of the things that the Christian faith can really bring to the way we practice law and what we expect of law and what we try to do with law in our society. I think you're absolutely right there, Nick. And um, just as you were talking about some of the things you've been thinking about, it, it actually tapped into some other, I guess, bigger picture observations I've been making. We've seen a lot of Royal Commissions and inquiries into numerous different sectors and really it's been a lot of issues, but I've been thinking about um, directors' duties and governance issues. and 
you know, there are director's duties in, in law that, that, um, that stipulate what responsibilities people in leadership in an organisation have. And um, they're often phrased as a, a duty to um, act with care and um, due diligence and act for a proper purpose. Um, and those duties can all sit there, but we have seen still so many failings at an institutional level. And it, it, um, that what Mark talked about, the heart, the servant heart, um, that as Christians we need to bring is that heart aspect of being willing to serve others and, and realising the um, when you've given responsibility, when you're in a position of power or authority, having that servant heart is really needed when you're exercising that power because um, those duties have all been sitting there in law for a long time. But the failings we've seen <laughs> through so many institutions shows us that, that writing it down there, however well it's tried to be captured in, in responsibilities in the legal sense, still falls short. But um, when the heart aspect is there with it, they're not bad signposts for helping guide you know, to act with care, to act for a proper purpose, to act in good faith, not to misuse your position, not to misuse information, not to cause detriment to, to other people. They're not bad expressions of what um, people and responsibility should be aiming to do, but that um, that heart for others is a needed, necessary part of it. It's so true, isn't it? When I, when I had to do a review of the Crime and Misconduct Commission here in Queensland some years ago for the government, uh, one of the things that we had to look at very closely was the leg all the laws that have been enacted to try to help the public service in Queensland to be ethical and have integrity. But I, we got the sense that the legislation had gone overboard, that an inflated view of what legislation could do had gripped the mentality of the people who were trying to improve things. And so the legislation is just full of all of these wonderful sounding uh, things about how things ought to be and the sort of ethics that should characterise the public service and things like that. And, and as you just said, Elizabeth, these are all really, really good things often. But just saying so in a law doesn't make it so. And there was, just didn't seem to be any consideration or reflection on what in our society actually generates people who... Um, have a heart or a mind to do what is right as opposed to re and resist temptation to be corrupt or to do something in their own self-interest when they hold a position of power. Yes, that, uh, that's right. And I think that then, so you ask, what does it mean to be a Christian in the law? I think it means if you're a teacher of the law, such as you, Nicholas, part of it is modelling um, honesty, honour, kindness, um, good ethics. If you're a leader in a legal practice or a leader at the bar or a judge, same thing. Uh, if you're a leader in a political office or a government department, it's modelling those sorts of things because those sorts of moral dimensions of behaviour are, are they're caught, they're modelled rather than taught didactically as propositions. And unless there are people they don't have to be Christians, but unless there are people in there who are modelling that sort of thing and saying, well, no, we have a choice here, but I don't think we should go that way. For these reasons, we should go that way because it will be better for the client, be better for society, be better for the organisation, be better for you. Um, and it's the right thing to do. What does right mean? Have that discussion, have a moral discussion. That's really important for the moral formation of the person, the moral formation of the organisation, and then the moral formation of the system that you're working in. And, you know, again, I say we only can influence so far, but unless we're doing the influence in the area that we have influence in, uh, we're not fulfilling our role, I think, as Christians in the law. 
Right. I mean, so much things hinges on culture within an organisation that has to come from leadership, has to be um, formed there. But I also know all of us are fairly passionate about law reform and making sure our laws are just. Um, so there's the both aspects um, there. And I think one of the reflections I've, um, you know, had over, over time in law is looking at um, the extent to which law can encourage or discourage behavior so if there is someone who wants to lead in a particular direction creating the parameters that um you know that can encourage certain behavior or discourage um other behavior and i think tax is one of those interesting areas because often it you know encourages certain activities like philanthropic giving <laughs> yes. um and and it's a um, from the perspective of law that i'm in that's you know something that that helps a lot of organizations um flourish but then employment law you want to discourage a lot of things and, and prohibit other things um in how employees um and so i guess there's a lot of relational stuff that sits in law and we would all be involved in the process of trying to make sure or, um, the normative values and the frameworks and structures that law create for how all those relationships occur are set as far as possible to encourage certain types of, of behavior so that when um, people who do have the right heart and are setting the right culture are sitting within them, they're able to, to grow um, those organisations and have some frameworks. So, so an interesting question that arises out of that, that I might put to both of you, and I might have some thoughts about it too, is what is our approach then to affecting uh, legal policy and law reform? Because I know Mark, particularly, as he mentioned, is uh, pretty involved in that alongside the so many other things that he does. What are your thoughts on how we approach that sort of question of law reform and impacting or contributing to public discussion about our policies as a society? Uh, okay, um, I think we should be in it uh, as Christians. <laughs> I think we should have, well, there are some Christians who think, no, no, run away and um, just do your witnessing or be pietistic um, and that's the end of it and let the world do what it's going to do, which will be eventually to burn. I, I, I take the view that that's God's business as to the end of the world. My job is to be faithful and to seek the good of the city in which I'm currently placed, which is a fallen world and a fallen culture. And I should be seeking to maximise the goodness of God and his revelation in our systems and structures. My, my particular vineyard that I toil in is the law. So those parts of the law that I work in try to make them work for the common good. So there's a phrase I would come back to for the common good, realising that not everyone is Christian, not everyone works according to Christian morality, but yet some things that um, uh, God has laid down, I think, are for the benefit of all humankind. So it's that balance between not uh, uh, infringing on people's liberty um, unduly, uh, but also seeking to encourage them in 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 a good direction. And if I just pick up one thing, I think you said before, Nick, you referred to uh, the idea of the law being to restrain evil behaviour. That's you know, what one justification for the law given in Romans 13. And I know you weren't saying that was exhaustive, but I think the law is also there. Uh, the law can be used. The law is just a way of ordering society. So we can order society to fulfil the creation mandate, to go forth, subdue the earth, multiply, be fruitful. We can use the law as an instrument, not the only instrument, not even necessarily the best instrument to encourage people 
uh, to do good, to be generous, to not discriminate against other people on the grounds of irrelevant considerations and things like that. They are all good uses of the law, uh, which we should come in. But we should also be mindful of Elizabeth's uh, counsel before that uh, the law has limitations and it is flawed by human behaviour. So our best hopes for the law could be undermined by the smartest lawbreakers, of which we're all pretty good. So we're working in a fallen world, but we should have good aspirations. We should have broad aspirations for bringing justice and more of God's goodness to the world around us. And law is an instrument by which we can do that. Yeah, look, I would agree with everything Mark has said. I think um, from my perspective, because um, I advise a lot of not-for-profit organisations um, when I have opportunities to engage in law reform, it's really about trying to stand in that gap between government and not-for-profit organisations, which includes a lot of churches and charities and schools and philanthropic groups, and, and um, try and advocate for laws that are going to enable those organisations to flourish, because I see them as being on the ground. I see them as forming the relationships that are needed to bring about real change in people's lives. Um, and and alleviate so many needs and, and so many problems. Um, I think those organisations need to be able to function really well. And so from my perspective, engaging in law reform is really about trying to make sure that we have laws that are going to serve those organisations well, they're going to help them flourish, they're going to help them thrive. If there's, you know, um, need for regulation and bad behaviour to be targeting that um, and and generally to be reducing red tape and getting off their back so they're not unduly burdened and they don't waste resources with useless regulation um, you know and having both aspects there so to really try and just in, um, empower and enable those organizations to do I think the amazing things that they're doing through relationships on the ground in our communities so I think that's um, you know probably my heart and and where um for me i sort of have the opportunity to engage um, in law reform and i think that's what it looks like in my area of practice but as mark said for any lawyer in any field i think there are opportunities because law impacts so many people um it impacts everyone <laughs> whatever field you're in whether it's tax whether it's employment basic commercial transactions and how people conduct themselves in business. These are all areas where as Christians, we should have views on how people interact. We're making sure that um, as far as we can, we're trying to encourage, um, see laws that encourage people to interact in ways that we think are good <laughs> for um, society as a whole and for just good for people. Yeah. Yeah, that's there's such, so many good points you've made, Elizabeth, there. And certainly that's the way I see it too, that, um, law can facilitate and enable uh, people and organisations and groups to do really good things, but it can also get in the way of them doing it as well. And uh, we need to be vigilant to the ways it can help and the ways it can get into the get get in the way of things as well. And I think that's what drives me as an academic is that behind all of these are a whole lot of ideas about what we expect of the law and what we expect of society and how we conceive of human nature. And it seems to me that um, a lot of the ideas that circulate in our society and affect the way people think and believe and hope and pray um, are shaped by the ideas that are developed in universities. And that's why I'm very committed to being an academic who's a Christian in the university, because I think as Christians, we ask different questions to the sorts of questions that people who don't have Christian faith ask. 
And they're the sorts of questions that arise because of the diagnosis of the human condition that we find in mm. the scriptures. Mm. And so for that reason, we, we see things and we ask questions of the world and of the law that are different. And what's actually exciting to me is that there's a quiet renaissance going on and has been going on in legal academic circles for the last couple of decades. And sometimes I say this to people that if you'd asked me when I first started studying law back in the 80s, you know, are there any good books to read as a Christian lawyer about the law? There would be only a handful, one or two or three possibly, and many of them were not of such high quality and, um, and, and so forth, or were just starting to explore the issue. If you ask me the question today, are there any good books to read? I don't know where to begin. In fact, I started to compile a bibliography of books written from a Christian perspective about law and these related issues. And it runs for about 10, 15, I can't remember now, pages of books, um, a bibliography of so many works. There's major works being done at the moment on investigating the relationship between Christianity and every single part of the law, like criminal law, um, and also the history of law, and I'm doing one on constitutional law and Christianity, and it's mm. exciting to see. And behind all of this is a whole generation of young Christian legal academics throughout the world who are communicating with each other and working together and debating these questions. And I tend to think I, I have some hope for the future because um, when this is happening in the background quietly, as a quiet renaissance, as I put it, it's going to have an impact in the next generation and the generations to come. Well, that's my hope anyway, um, so that it can sort of help um, the law to be the sort of law that Elizabeth and Mark have talked about. And so that more Elizabeths and more Marks can be out there in the public sphere as faithful Christians in the law. Uh, I agree, Nick. And if I had a, a, a final word, it would be, um, to Christians out there, don't discourage anyone who's thinking about going to the law if they're going in for the right reasons, which is serving God and serving others, because it is a good way to serve God and to serve others. Um, if you're thinking of going to the law, if you're in the law, then choose career directions, um, choose your clients to the extent you can uh, to promote areas of justice and mercy, and you'll have less opportunity to do that the younger you are, but more opportunity to do that as you become more senior in the profession. Mm. And look for ways wherever you are and with whatever influence you have to improve human flourishing and godliness. I use that general term, godliness, in the in your sphere of influence, however small it is, wherever it is, clients, co-workers, people you meet, other practitioners, whatever, use that sphere of influence. Um, and you'll never know uh, what God will do with that and how he can use that to change things for good because you're being faithful. Absolutely. Yeah, I would wholeheartedly endorse that that sentiment. Um, and I think, you know, even Mark, just the little history you gave at the beginning of all the different roles you've been in, it would be pretty hard for you to have plotted out a career path that showed that you went from you know, you knew you were going to end up where you are doing the things you're doing. And certainly I know that I wouldn't have done that. But at each point, it's simply in my career, it's simply been a question of God, you know, what would you have me do? Where are you leading? I want to be faithful. Show me what the next step is. And um, a lot of the time it's, you know, he's slowly building skills and tools. And then he puts me in a position where he uses those things that he's built. And at each point, it's really just a question about um, 
God, how do I be faithful with this? And and for those of us in the law who have, have got careers in law, I, um, I think we can all be incredibly thankful to God for putting us in these um, positions. And we've, we've got to, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. And I think that's probably how um, I feel about my career. And I think I would encourage other Christian lawyers to feel the same way that um, we're privileged to have been given a good job and to um, try and use that to serve. That's fantastic. Sometimes I think, and maybe we can close with this, uh, if there was to be a patron saint of lawyers for maybe evangelical Christians, um, I don't know if we do have patron saints, but Ezra always has struck me as a real interesting character. And there's a verse in Ezra 7.10 that reads this. It says, For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. And I know that verse really affected me when I was felt being led to uh, become a lawyer, um, to take really seriously what God's word has to say about these matters and uh, to seek to be faithful in the way I think and teach and act in the area of the law. Mm. It's just been wonderful talking with you, Elizabeth and Mark, about all of these issues. It's, um, it's, I wish we could keep going, but I have a feeling our time is coming to an end. Um, we could sort of continue this conversation and, and talk more, couldn't we, so easily. But uh, it's just been fabulous getting together and talking about this. Thanks to you both. It's been great. Thank you. We could go off podcast. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> but thanks, Elizabeth, and thank you, Nicholas, very much. Real pleasure.